0: Good evening. Good evening. If you have your Bibles, I'll have you turn back to the book of Judges, chapter 6. As you're turning there, once again, I am thankful for the privilege it is to be able to stand around the pulpit and preach tonight. Um, I do have to behave myself a little bit better tonight because Pastor's here, uh, so I can't make too many Pastor jokes while, while he's here. Um, but I am thankful for the privilege to be able to preach tonight. Uh, once again, turning to Judges chapter six, uh, I expressed last time whenever I started this series, uh, I'm not I'm not a series preacher. Uh, I'm normally a straight to the point type of guy. Um, so as I go through this, I will tell you that this is probably going to be the easiest series that I'll ever preach as a preacher, uh, because once again, I have read this passage of scripture more than any other passage in the Bible. Uh, I've been drawn to this passage in Judges uh, since I was a little boy, and uh, I would say that when it comes to heroes in the faith, when I look through Scripture, Gideon is on the top for me. Um, It's funny, because I think I've unfortunately transposed that upon some of your kids uh, in my Sunday school class uh, this morning when I was teaching, and they were like, are you preaching tonight? And I was like, yeah. They're like, Gideon! And I'm like, well, you know. Uh, So hopefully that becomes some of your children's hero in the faith, too, but... um, In Judges chapter 6, that's where we kind of started and left off uh, last time I preached. Uh, I kind of want to do a little short recap of what we talked about. I don't want to spend too much time on it because we've already talked about it. Um, But I'll do my best. I'm going to do my best to wrap up uh, my lesson in Gideon tonight. I will be honest, uh, I I still won't be able to pull everything that I want to out of Scripture. Um, Whenever you go in and you study the life of Gideon, there's so many applications we can pull from this man's life. Um, And we're going to do our best to pull what we can from scriptures this evening, but I'm going to be honest, we're not even going to get through the whole story of Gideon. Um, But last sermon we had talked about what was going on in Israel in this time in history. Uh, And obviously, judging by the book that we're in, Judges, uh, we're in the era of Judges. And once again, uh, the Judges, these were just uh, people that God had raised up uh, during this time in Israel uh, to bring them out of oppression, to lead and guide his people. And we also know that they were under the oppression and the affliction that they were in because of their own doing. Uh, they were under it because they didn't obey God in the first place. God had told them to go in, uh, drive everybody out, and they failed to do that. Um, <clears throat> so here in Judges chapter 6, we look, and this is one of the series in the cycle of Judges. Uh, and through Israel's time in Judges, that's what they did. They went through series of these cycles. And uh, God would raise up a judge among them, and this time was no different. It could be a man or woman of his choosing uh, to lead his people, uh, we can see throughout the whole book of judges different judges had different roles, uh, different things that God had them do. Um, whenever I, I speak of judges, the most famous judge that people automatically normally think of is Samson. Uh, Samson was a man who was uh, blessed through god 's power through a Nazarite vow. he was super strong. Uh, when we talk about superheroes, you know uh, some of these young guys they are into superheroes still. Uh, some of these older guys are too 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 far past superheroes. Uh, but we think about these superheroes and all these movies and everything else. Um, you know, the Incredible hawk, And this guy is super strong and everything else. Samson was actually super strong. Uh, we actually can read in, in Scripture how Samson was able to lift up a city gate and carry it away from the city for miles. Um, this was a real story. This wasn't a fictional thing. Uh, I think it's important when we dive into Scripture we understand that Scripture is honest. It's true. It's real. It's not made up. Um, so when we dive in and we see things like that, a lot of times our mind's like, well, there's no way that this really happened, but Samson was a real man and he was blessed with the supernatural strength that God gave him. And of course we've seen that Samson fell and, uh, the Lord was still able to use him. And then last time we, we were vision the story of Gideon here, we see that Gideon was not that type of judge. Uh, Gideon did not have supernatural strength. Matter of fact, when we see Gideon first step on the scene, He's scared. He's hiding. He's confined himself into this little wine press, and he's threshing wheat. And actually, as we studied in uh, chapter 6 there, uh, he refers to himself, and he says that he is the least in his household. He's nothing but a poor boy from the tribe of Manasseh here. And he didn't think very highly of himself. And through the course of the last sermon, we also see that the angel of the Lord appeared to him. Uh, And I gave a really fancy word that literally just means uh, appearing of Jesus Christ uh, before he was incarnate, and that was a theophany. But we see a theophany here in Scripture, and Jesus appeared to Gideon. And I expressed why that was so important, because if we go to the book of John, we see that Jesus was the one who created all things. And when this angel of the Lord appears unto Gideon, the first thing he does is he calls him a man of valor. While Gideon didn't see very much of himself, didn't think highly of himself, the Lord thought highly of him. The Lord seen already what he could do with Gideon in his life. And then we also seen that Gideon was able to go on and pass the first kind of challenge that God had given him. And the first challenge that God gives him after he's called him out, as he says, I need you to go and I need you to destroy the, the idol that's on your father's property. I need you to go boldly and tear this down. So Gideon had to go and face kind of the folks in his hometown and his own family there. And we see at the end of that that even his own father comes out and defends his son. And Gideon's able to pass that first test. However, what we did not see in that first sermon was a man of valor. Nowhere in that first sermon did we see a man of valor. Actually, if you look at what he did when he goes to tear down the altar, he goes at night because he's still afraid. He was obedient But with our human eyes, when we look at it, we don't really see a man of valor still. Tonight, my hope and prayer is that as we dive deeper into the life of Gideon, just a little bit deeper, that we will see how the Lord used him and he became a man of valor. And uh, tonight, as we get into this life of Gideon, I think you're going to see how the Lord takes a scared young man and he transforms him into a mighty warrior. Let's go to Lord in prayer. Dear Heavenly Most Gracious Father God, I thank you once again for the privilege to be in your house this evening, Lord. I pray that you'd just keep me out of the way, allow your message to go forth, Lord. I thank you so much for the freedom that we have to be able to come here and worship you tonight, Lord. And uh, Lord, I just pray that hearts would be open and minds would be attentive, Lord, for what you'd have for them tonight, Lord. Uh, not for my glory, not for anybody's glory, but your own, Father. We love you, we thank you, in Jesus' name, amen. So last, last time I preached, uh, we kind of left off in verse 32 of chapter 6, and that's where we're going to jump right back into. Uh, so we'll start in verse 32, and it says, Therefore, on that day, he called him Jerubal, saying, Let Baal plead against him, because he had thrown down his altar. So this is directly after Gideon had tore, tore down the altar there, on, or, or the idol on his uh, father's property. And then in verse 33, it says, Then all the Midianites and the Amalekites and the children of the east were gathered together. And went over and pitched in the valley of Jezreel. But the spirit of the Lord came upon Gideon. And he blew a trumpet. And Abazar was gathered unto him. And he sent messengers throughout Manasseh. Who also would gather after him. And he sent messengers unto Asher. And unto Zebulun. And to Naphtali. And they came to meet him. Once again Gideon is just an ordinary man. Uh, There's nothing spectacular about him. We don't see any super Uh, strength to Gideon or anything else Um, but what we do see here right off the bat is that his name has changed we see something is starting in Gideon's life he goes by the name Jerubiel and later on it refers to him as this again and the first thing I want to bring out and it's not a major point or anything else is there is a difference that begins to happen in Gideon's life the first thing we see here is that the spirit of the Lord came upon Gideon Folks, if you're here tonight and you've accepted Christ into your life, the Spirit of God has come upon you. There should be a change in your life. There should be an instantaneous change. Now it's not going to be dramatic for everybody, but there should be a change that takes place in your life. And it should begin the moment that you accept Christ into your life. Um, the, the old saying is uh, let, let us catch them and God clean them up. And that, that's That's really true because there's nothing that we can do to help a sinner change his life. It's all God working inside that person to change them. And for some folks, it'll be faster than others. Um, Some people are farther in sin when they accept Christ than maybe you were. I know a lot of times we're quick to judge, well, why are they still doing this? Don't worry about that. Let the Lord work in them. Let the Lord change them. And just keep praying for them. We see here that a change begins to take place in Gideon's life, just like our identity is to be transformed, God starts working in Gideon's life and he begins to transform him. Gideon is no longer just an ordinary boy. He's no longer an ordinary man, but he's a man called by God. And we can embrace that truth and seek to understand not only this call in Gideon's life, but a call in our own life. When we accept Christ into our life, then we should begin to allow the Lord to work in our life And begin to change our own life so that we can understand God's calling in our life. As we begin to read farther on here, um, we see that Gideon does something a little peculiar, but it's miraculous how it happens. We're going to jump over to verse 36 here and it says, And Gideon said unto God, If thou wilt save Israel by mine hand, as thou hast said, Behold, I will put a a fleece of wool in the floor. And if the dew be on the fleece only, and it be dry upon the earth beside, then shall I know that thou wilt save Israel by mine hand, as thou hast said. And it was so, for he rose up early in the morrow, and thrust the fleece together, and wringed the dew out of the fleece, a bowl full of water. So the Lord's called Gideon. He's telling Gideon, he says, Gideon, I'm I'm calling you out. You're going to save my people. You're going to be the one that I'm asking to lead my people. Gideon says... That's great, let me do that. And then he goes out, he blows this this call, this trumpet, and we see an army actually begins to come to Gideon. One of the greatest things that uh, we overlook sometimes is Gideon didn't really have to go too far to look for these people. He blows that trumpet call and people come flocking to him. You know, one of the great things about when you go to tell somebody about the, the Lord, you don't always have to go looking for somebody. Sometimes the Lord brings them to you. And here in Gideon's life, the Lord's bringing him an army, literally bringing him an army. He's not going out and scouting and looking for soldiers and everything else. He blows a trumpet, and people begin to assemble and come to him. Obviously, they're sick and tired of being oppressed. Um, they're fed up with the way they're living, and an army becomes, uh, starts coming his way. But then Gideon, all of a sudden, it's like he blows that trumpet, and then it dawns on him. He sees all these people coming towards him. And he's like, oh, boy, what did I do? Um, you know, And he, he's beginning to dwell upon all the things that's going to happen. He begins to think about this battle that's going to have to take place. Um, Gideon is going to be outnumbered, even with everybody that comes towards him. So Gideon says, Lord, don't get mad at me. But I, I got I to gotta ask you something, Lord. I got to see if this is really what you want for me. And that brings me to my first point. That first point is, let's make sure it's of God. As Gideon begins to understand what God is calling him to do, he says, Lord, I want to make sure without a shadow of doubt that this is what you're calling me to. Now, for us, uh, we can interpret that and apply it to our lives, but let's be honest, we're not facing what Gideon was facing, okay? We're not putting our lives on the line like Gideon was. Um, Gideon says, Lord, I I really want to make sure that this is what you're calling me to do. So he gives a test to the Lord, and he takes a, this fleece, and he says, I'm going to lay it out here, Lord. And he says that if I lay out this fleece on the floor, and the dew be on the fleece only, but the ground is dry, then I'll know this is of you, Lord. So the next morning, Gideon goes out, and he checks it. He picks up the fleece, and it's sopping wet. And he's able to wring out the water, and it's a bowl full. Now, I want you to put your place in the, the place of Gideon here, Okay. He's asked the Lord, he said, Lord, prove it to me. Prove to me that this is what you want me to do. And the next day he goes out and he picks up this, this fleece and he rings it out. And I can just imagine as a young man, you're a face an army. He's like, um, okay, Lord, just kidding. Let's try it a different way. Let's, let's try this a different way, Lord. I, just, I really got to make sure this is of you. So he lays out the fleece again. He says in verse uh, 39, Gideon said unto God, let not thine anger be hot against me, and I will speak but this once. Let me prove, I pray thee. But this once with the fleece, let it now be dry only upon the fleece, and upon all the ground let there be dew. And God did so that night, for it was dry upon the fleece only, and there was dew on the ground. So the next day he goes out, and he asked the Lord, he said, hey, let's reverse that, okay? Uh, let's make sure, okay? Okay. Uh, once again, I want us to understand that this is, this is not a natural occurrence. Like, no matter how you want, I, go put a piece of cloth out in the driveway tonight with dew all around and see what one's dry and which one's wet, okay? Most of the time, dew either covers everything or it's in a dry spot where dew doesn't go anyway, okay? So there's no doubt that this is what the Lord has called Gideon to do. You know, time and time again, I've heard, uh, even as a young boy, I heard preachers say, don't ever question God, and I will 100% agree with that. We should never, ever, ever question God. But if God's called us to do something, there's nothing wrong with asking, Lord, I want to make sure this is of you. Many times in our world today, the world can paint a beautiful picture of what we would think a blessing would be. And the world can say, oh, yeah, this, this is of God. This is what God wants you to do. It could be a job promotion, uh, it could be uh, a new vehicle, it could be many things. And, The world and Satan can paint that as a beautiful picture in your mind. But did we really pray about it? Did we ask God, is this really of you, God? Because I can promise you that Satan would love for you to take a new job promotion that will keep you out of church every Sunday. I can promise you that the Lord would love for you to have nice, pretty, shiny things that uh, would just absolutely uh, floor your mind, but it could pull you away from, from the things of God. And we We must ask God, whenever God's called us into something, Lord, if this is of you, God, please show me. There's nothing wrong with asking for wisdom from the Lord. In the book of James, chapter 1, verse 5, it says, If any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God, that giveth to all men liberally and abradeth not, and that shall be given him. So this is what Gideon does. He says, Lord, I understand what you're calling me to do. This is a huge task, and I just want to make sure it's of you, God. So the Lord answers Gideon, and he answers him with, Yes, Gideon, this is what I want for you. This is what I want you to do. Gideon has a response, but I'm going to be honest. A lot of times our response isn't the same as Gideon's was. Sometimes we might ask the Lord, Are you sure that this is what you want me to do with my life, Lord? Are you sure that this is what you're calling me to? And the Lord says, yes. And we say, I'm not sure that you're sure, God. You know, I mean, I really need to make sure that you're sure. I can promise you, if God's calling you to it, he's sure that he wants you to do it. Gideon answers with a wonderful reply. Verse uh, 1 of chapter 7, then it says, Then Jerubal, who is Gideon, and all the people that were with him rose up early and pitched beside the well of Harad so that the host of Midianites were on the north side of them by the hill of More in the valley. So Gideon, here's God's response. God's telling him, I've proven it to you, Gideon. This is what I want you to do. Now I need you to do something for me. Go and be ready to do it. Brings me to my second point. We're going to dwell on this point just a little bit longer tonight. But God wants to use those who are ready. Gideon goes, and as soon as he hears the response from God, he says, okay. The Bible says that he didn't dwell upon it. It says he got up early the next day. He rose up early. And what did he do? He went and he pitched his tent. He was ready. He said, okay, this is what the Lord's calling me to do. This is what we're going to do. We're going to listen to the Lord and we're going to obey the Lord. So we'll read verse one then. Uh who is Gideon, and all the people were with him, rose up early, and pitched beside the well of Harod, so that the host of Midianites were on the north side of them, by the hill of Morah in the valley. And the Lord said unto Gideon, The people that are with thee are too many for me to give the Midianites into their hands, lest Israel vaunt themselves against me, saying, mine own hand hath saved me. Now, therefore go to, proclaim in the ears of the people saying, Whosoever is fearful and afraid, let him return and depart early from Mount Gilead. And they returned to the people twenty and two thousand, and there remained ten thousand. And the Lord said unto Gideon, The people are yet too many. Bring them down into the water, and I will try them for thee there. And it shall be that of whom I say unto thee, This shall go with thee, the same shall go with thee. And whomsoever I shall say unto thee, This shall not be go with thee the same shall not go so he brought down the people under the water and the Lord said unto Gideon everyone that lappeth up watereth his tongue as a dog lappeth him shall thou set by himself likewise everyone that boweth down upon his knee to drink and the number of them that lapped putting their hand to their mouth were 300 men but all the rest of people bowed down upon their knees to drink the water and the Lord said unto Gideon by the 300 men that lapped will I save you and deliver the Midianites into thine hand, and let all the other people go every man into his own place. so we see here that Gideon rose up early in the morning he's ready to accept the challenge that God had placed before him. So Gideon goes and he, he sets up camp he's eager and at this time we see that he's got thirty two thousand men, which is great it's a good number it's not a spectacular number. If you go on to read throughout uh, the scriptures here you can see that Midian had 135,000, uh, so they were way outnumbered still. So, but Gideon, he, he's, he's still excited. He says, okay, this is what the Lord's called me to do. This is what we're going to do. So then the Lord kind of throws, throws a wrench in Gideon's plan, and he says, hey, hey Gideon, the, the amount of men that you have, um, it's too many. You can't have that many. I don't know about you, but if I'm Gideon, I'm like, hold on, Lord. Let's go back to that test. I think we misunderstood something here. I put the fleece out. You told me this is what you wanted me to do. Uh, I was sure of the sign, but now you're telling me I got too many men. We're still outnumbered here. Lord says, Gideon, you you got too many men. I want you to go to the men and the ones who are afraid, the ones that are fearful, send them home. So that's what Gideon does. He goes to his men, and he tells them, hey, I, I just can't imagine what, what this man's thinking. I mean, in, in my head, I'm like, ah, I'm not telling these people this because they're going to go home. Okay, But he goes to him and he says, Lord says, if you're afraid, go home. 22,000 of his soldiers get up, and they begin to leave him. I mean, you have to put yourself in the place of Gideon here, and already you're like, I'm outnumbered. And 22,000 of the men that came calling to you when you blew that trumpet are now leaving you. I can't imagine what this man was thinking. But Gideon was still eager and ready to go. Whenever we chose to follow the Lord, he never promised us that it would be easy. He never promised us that we'd have everything all nice and hunky-dory and however you want to say that. He never promised that everything would just be Uh, Sunshines and rainbows. He never promised that. But he did promise he would never leave us or forsake us. He promised that he would be with us every step of the way. So Gideon, he's still poised, he's still ready, but 22,000 of his men leave. And I'm sure if if I'm Gideon and I'm looking at this, I'm like, okay, Lord, uh, you know, it's okay, I got 10,000 men. Uh, we might be able to you know, attack a small portion of the Midianites now. Uh, it's, in, it's in the Lord's hands. He's going he's gonna to take care of this. I know he's going to take care of this. And the Lord looks at Gideon, and he says, hey, hey, Gideon, you're doing great. You're doing exactly what I told you to do. This is great, Gideon. Uh, you got too many men. At this point, I'm like, okay, Lord, I'm losing my mind. I don't even know what's going on. Why, why are you telling me I got too many men? I've only got 10,000 men. They got 135,000 men. When the 22,000 men left, he's down to 10,000. He is now at a 14 to one odd. That means that every one of his men must kill 14 men without getting killed. And the Lord says, too many. You got too many, Gideon. You got too many on your side. Take them down to the water. Let them drink. And then the Lord says, I'll test them for you. I'll find out who needs to stay with you. So Gideon takes, and he takes the men down to the water, and the Bible says that as he goes down to the water, uh, I, I think it's funny, so many times I overlooked this until I read a commentary on it, but as he takes these men down to the water, he says, go ahead and drink. And the way that the Lord sorts them out, he says, all right, the ones that put their head down in the water, and they lap up like a dog, send them home. But the ones who cup the water and bring it to their mouth, that's the ones I want you to keep. Now, if you know the story of Gideon, you know none of that really mattered. But I think it's interesting, because the ones that were cupping their hands and bringing the water to their mouth, what were they able to do? They were able to watch around them. They were poised, and they were ready. So many times we can overlook things in Scripture, but I think God does everything for a reason. And I think we can take this as a life lesson for ourselves, that No matter what situation we're in, we need to be looking around, observing. Not just for our own sake, but maybe the Lord will bring somebody along in your life, and if you're not paying attention, you're going to overlook that opportunity. Not only that, but the Lord cautions us many times in Scripture that we're to be alert and ready. Just a couple references here. Uh, Matthew 24, verse 44 says, Therefore be ye also ready, for in such an hour as ye think, not the Son of Man cometh. 1 Peter 3.15, but sanctify the Lord in your hearts and be ready always to give an answer to every man that asks you a reason of the hope that is in you with meekness and fear. Luke 12.40, be ye therefore ready also for the Son of Man cometh at an hour when you think not. Proverbs 20.4, and we don't think of this one as being ready, but it's every bit of being ready. The slugger will not plow by the reason of cold, therefore shall he beg and harvest and have nothing. That means if you're lazy, you're not being ready. Watch therefore, for ye know not what hour the Lord doth come, Matthew 24, verse 42. And this one, of course, I think a lot of people have memorized, but I don't think we pay enough attention to it, Is First Peter 5, 8. Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, as a roaring lion, walketh about seeking whom he may devour. Now this is talking about a physical battle that's about to happen. And the Lord chooses the men that are ready. They're at a ready poise. They're ready to, to look at the world around them and see what's going on. But the Lord also cautions us in Scripture that we are to be ready. We may not be fighting a physical battle. We may not be getting ready to go to war. We may not be outnumbered like that. But we are to be poised and ready for the opportunities that God brings in our life and to guard ourselves. Because Satan wants nothing more than to attack you, to attack this church, to attack your family, to attack your home. And the Bible tells us to be sober, be vigilant, be watching. We need to be just like these men were ready for battle we need to be ready for the spiritual battles that are going to come our way god tells gideon hey gideon the guys that brought their hand up those are the guys i want i wonder how many of us if the lord was to look at us tonight in our spiritual poise and our spiritual posture would god say that's the one i want because they're ready they're looking about they're trying to see what they can do They're trying to make sure that the enemy is not attacking their home. They're trying to make sure that the enemy is not invading their church, not invading their own spiritual well-being. Because I'm going to be honest, as I studied this, this lesson out, it broke my heart because I know that there's times in my own personal life that if the Lord was to say that to me, I would not be the one poised and ready. This is something we must evaluate as Christians. If we love the Lord, we must be poised and ready. We must be ready to face whatever battle comes our way. These scriptures that I read off, we could go in more depth of them, but there's over 80 some verses in the Bible that talks about being ready. And my question tonight is, are you ready? Are you spiritually ready? Now, that is to the Christian. Once again, I would be remiss as a preacher if I don't offer this invitation. But if you are not a Christian tonight, if you've never accepted Christ into your life, you are not ready at all. You are not ready for the second coming of uh, the Savior. You're not ready for anything that's going to come your way because you've never accepted Christ as your Savior. You need to make sure you take care of that first. But if you have accepted Christ into your life, then are you ready? Are you the one that is ready and looking about you? Gideon's story here, it teaches the importance of being ready for anything. Uh, Gideon was called a man of valor. Gideon was somebody that the Lord looked at and said, I'm going to be able to use this man to fight for me. I'm going to use this man as a warrior for me. I wonder how many of us if the Lord looked at us tonight would say I can use that person as a warrior for me. This was not a sign of weakness for Gideon and his army. However, this was a sign of strength in God's power. See, it's not about our own strength. It's not about our own numbers. It's not about relying on ourselves it's about relying on God our theme this year as we uh, have talked about many times is strong being strong in the Lord in the power of his might. nowhere in the Bible does it say be strong in your own power nowhere does it say be strong in your own might. you know I'm a I'm a guy that uh, unfortunately my weakness is I love to watch strongman competitions I absolutely love them Uh, One, because I'll never be that strong, and it's amazing to watch what these guys do. Uh, A little shameless plug, I'm in a movie about strong men, okay? Uh, And actually, if you're watching that movie, about 45 minutes into it, you can see because it pans out to the audience, and I'm the big bald-headed guy. Nobody else is standing up, but it's me, and I'm standing up, and I'm screaming, and I'm excited because I'm watching these guys do these amazing things that there's no way I could possibly do. Uh, One of the guys that I really follow, his name is Brian Shaw, and he's... He's like a superhuman, okay? This guy literally leg presses an SUV time and time again. And I'm not talking about like an unloaded SUV. I'm talking about a SUV. It's fully loaded. It's it's huge, okay? And he's sitting there leg pressing it time and time again. And as miraculous as these men can get and as strong as they can get, I begin to think about my Lord and Savior. And I think, man, these guys are strong. But my Lord and Savior created them as strong as I'd like to be, I'll never be as strong as God. As strong as these competitions uh, go and as, as strong as these guys get, they'll never be as strong as God. And there are times in our life when our strength is just not enough. I'll go a step farther and say this, there's nothing done in this life without the strength of God. Nothing. If you're here in this building tonight, you got here because it was the strength of God that allowed you to be here. If you're in that chair tonight and you're breathing, it's because the Lord is allowing you to breathe. If you're here tonight and you're alive, I hope you're alive still, it's because the Lord gave you life. There's nothing that we can do to compare to the strength that the Lord has. When we were little, we always sang that song, he's got the whole world in his hands. Uh, I'm not gonna sing it, I promise. Okay, <clears throat> But we sing that song, he's got the whole world in his hands. And God literally has all of existence in the palm of his hands. And it's because he has all of existence in the palm of his hands, he can look at any one of us and say, I want you to be ready. Because it's not your strength that I'm counting on. It's my strength through you that I'm counting on. So whenever the Lord's called you into something, the one thing that we have to understand is when he's calling you, it's not because he says, oh, that's a strong person, I can count on them. It's because he says, I see something in that person that I can use. I can get through them and use them as a vessel for me. We need to take a look at our life. and We need to really ask, are we being a vessel for God to use, just like our our theme is? Are we being strong in the Lord in the power of his might? Or are we relying on our own might? The Lord doesn't want to use us for our glory. The Lord wants to use us for his glory. And it's because of that, I'm going to come to my last point this evening. We need to realize that God is on our side. As we continue to read here, verse 9, And it came to pass the same night that the Lord said unto him, Arise, Get thee down unto the host, for I have delivered it into thine hand. But if thou fear to go down, go thou with Phurah thy servant down to the host, and thou shalt hear what they say, and afterward shall thine hands be strengthened to go down into the host. Then went he down with Phurah his servant unto the outside of the armed men that were in the host, and the Midianites and the Amalekites and all the children that of the east that lay along the valley like grasshoppers for multitude, and their camels were without number. As the sand by the sea seaside, seaside for multitude. And when Gideon was come, behold, there was a man told a dream unto his fellow. And he said, Behold, I dreamed a dream. And lo, a cake of barley bread tumbled into the host of Midian, and came into a tent, and smote it that it fell, and overturned it, that the tent lay along. And his fellow answered and said, This is nothing else, save the sword of Gideon, the son of Joash, a man of Israel. For in his hand hath God delivered Midian and all the host. So Gideon, he's down to 300 men at this point. He's outnumbered once again, 450 to one. This isn't a tough odd. This isn't betting against the odds. This is an impossible odd. This would literally mean that every Israelite man that Gideon has has to go in and kill 450 Midianite soldiers without getting killed himself. Let's also take into account what's going on in Israel at this time. They're famished. They're hungry because Midian keeps taking their food. They're malnourished men. These aren't strong warriors. They're men that are struggling to to make a living and eat because of what Midian's done to them. And Gideon's looking at this, and I'm sure in his mind, he's got all kinds of doubt and fear. I know he was afraid because the Bible says that if you're afraid, take furrow with you. And he goes and he gets furrow. So we know he's afraid. We know Gideon's afraid, but he goes down... And he trusts the Lord enough to go into the camp of the Midianites. And the Lord blesses Gideon with being able to hear what these men are saying. If we put ourselves in Gideon's place, we would, of course, have doubt and fear. But Gideon goes down. He grabs this servant named Phurah, and they go into this Midianite camp. And they tell of this dream. And this dream is a simple dream it's about a barley bread that's tumbling into the host of Midian, and it smote it when it fell. And then they say, you know what? This, this is a dream of interpretation that Midian's going to fall to the sword of Gideon. But let's not overlook the next part. Sword of Gideon, the son of Joash, a man of Israel, for into his hand hath, who delivered Midian? That was really sad. Okay, some of you might actually not be breathing tonight. Okay, who was it? It was God. God delivered him. It wasn't because Gideon... Was something great? It was because God was on his side. They hear these men talking. Gideon is not proven in battle. Gideon is not a warrior. We know that because literally we've seen this whole thing unfold. Gideon is a coward. Gideon is hiding in a wine press when the Lord comes to him. But the Lord says, "Hey, I'm going to use you. I'm going to transform you. I'm going to change you. I'm going to make you into what I want you to be, and you're going to do it, not for your glory." Not with your power, but with my power, with my strength. And we see that these men of Midian, who, how else could they have heard of Gideon? Who is Gideon to these guys? I mean, they're an army of 135,000. Who is this young Hebrew boy? He's a nobody still. We don't find Gideon being a somebody, because it wasn't about Gideon. See, this whole message about Gideon being a mighty warrior, the funny thing about it is Gideon is never a mighty warrior. Not once in his life is he a mighty warrior. But God, working through Gideon, allows him to be a mighty warrior. We can see time and time again as Israel turns to God and God is on their side, it's like Israel becomes unstoppable. And I'm sure these Midianites had heard all that when God was on the side of Israel, what God was able to do. My next question to you tonight is Has anybody else heard what God can do in your life? Have you told anybody what God has done in your life? We should be a lot like Gideon, where they don't really know much about Gideon, but they know the God that he serves. I don't want people to know about Jay Nichols. I don't care if you know anything about Jay Nichols at all. I ain't nothing but a wretched old sinner. But my God, my God is an amazing God. My God is one that I would serve till my death. And I think as Gideon hears this, this is what propels him. This is what uh, powers him up. Uh, you know, we think about, uh, especially the football season, we think about these coaches going into the locker room and they get these guys all riled up and everything else. I think that's what happens with Gideon. I think he hears what's going on and he gets excited. He says, I ain't done nothing but they know who my God is, and they know who I'm serving. So much so that the Bible tells us that Gideon, verse 15, and it was so when Gideon heard the telling of the dream and the interpretation thereof that he worshiped. The first thing he does is he stops what he's doing and he worships. He praises the Lord. Gideon realizes, hey, guess what? This isn't a Gideon thing. This is a God thing. And because of it being a God thing, we're going to have victory in it. And then he goes and he uh, tells Israel about it. So he returns into the host of Israel and said, O rise, for the Lord hath delivered you into the hand of the host of Midian. And he divided the 300 men into three companies. He put a trumpet in every man's hand and, with empty pitchers and lamps within the pitchers. And he said unto them, Look on me and do likewise. And behold, when I come to the outside of the camp, it shall be that as I do, so shall ye do. When I blow with a trumpet... And all that are with me, then blow ye the trumpets also on every side of the camp, and say, The sword of the Lord and Gideon. So Gideon and the hundred men that were with him came to the outside of the camp at the beginning of the middle watch, and they had but newly set the watch, and they blew the trumpets and brake the pitchers that were in their hands. And the three companies blew the trumpets and brake the pitchers and held the lamps in their left hands and the trumpets in their right hands to blow withal, and they cried, The sword of the Lord and of Gideon. They stood every man in his place round about the camp, and all the host ran and cried and fled. And the three hundred blew the trumpets, and the Lord set every man's sword against his fellow, even throughout all the host. And the host fled to Bethshita and Zeroth, and to the border of Abimelech, unto Tabath. And the men of Israel gathered themselves together out of Naphtali, and out of Asher, and out of Manasseh, and pursued after the Midianites. This wasn't a battle. That Gideon was supposed to win this was a battle that God was going to win that's why he said I don't want you to have a whole lot of people with you Gideon because they're going to get prideful they're going to think it's about them but this was not a Gideon thing this was not an Israel thing this was a God thing God wanted to prove who he was and God was able to use Gideon as a vessel and win this battle I can still remember uh, as I was going through discipleship uh, and I was with pastor and Jackie and I Honestly, when I was 15, I felt like the Lord was calling me to preach. And I did everything I could to get away from that. I ran, I got away from the Lord as hard as I could. And then I go through discipleship, and I'd already rededicated my life to the Lord, and I started serving the Lord, and I can remember sitting there and sitting in, I think it was his, uh, right beside his kitchen, wherever that room was. Uh, And as we're talking and everything else, I can remember asking him at the end of discipleship one day, I said, how'd you know the Lord wanted you to preach? And then pastor answered me with a question. Uh, you got to learn that's what our pastor does. Uh, you know, he, he, like, he doesn't like to give a straight answer. Uh, so he asked me a question, and I thought about it for a while, and the next time we came to discipleship, and uh, I can remember we got through discipleship, and I asked him, I'm like, so, so seriously, how did you know that the Lord wanted you to preach? He asked me another question. And I'm like, man, this guy's driving me nuts. <clears throat> so then we went through discipleship, and it was the third time that we went in there, and at the end of the discipleship, I asked him, I said, how did you know that the Lord wanted you to preach? And he looked at me, and said, when do you need to preach? And it dawned on me at that time that I had never surrendered my whole unto the Lord. I wanted to serve the Lord. I was scared to death to serve the Lord. I looked at my past, I looked at where I was in my life, and I'm not, I'm not a Bible scholar. How's the Lord gonna use me to preach? If people know my past, How are they going to look at the sin that I had in my life and respect me as a preacher? But it dawned on me that it's not me. It's not a me thing. I'll stand before you today and tell you I'm nothing but a sinner still. But this book, this is the word of God. A God who loves you. A God who died for you. And he wants to use you. He wants to take you and make you a vessel for him. Every one of us in this room tonight could be a mighty warrior for God. But the first step is stepping out of your comfort zone. Stepping out in faith and saying, Lord, I know it's not a me thing. It has to be a you thing. As a scared little boy, I was never gonna talk to nobody. I'm gonna tell you still to this day, I don't like standing in front of people and talking. Little kids, I don't mind because I'm on the same brain length as them. You know, halfway into the lesson, like, can we play a game? I'm like, yeah, let's play a game, you know? It's not natural for me to want to stand in front of people. But it's not a me thing. It's a God thing. And God wants to use each and every one of us in a different way. I don't know the Lord's calling upon your life. I don't know what the Lord's telling you to step out and do. But I can tell you this. If the Lord's telling you to step out and do it, there's no reason not to. Because he said, I will be with you. Because I've called you out to it, I'm going to be there right beside you, and you're going to have my strength to do it. Gideon didn't have to lift a finger to fight these guys. He goes with his army of 300, if you can even call that an army. And they go out there and literally they blow a trumpet, they break a pot, and they scream. I'm going to tell you, most military people are going to tell you, that's not a good battle plan. God says it's my battle plan and it's going to work because I'm God I don't know what the Lord's called you to and you may say well that's not really what, what I do that's not really where I feel comfortable at it doesn't matter it's not about how you feel comfortable it's about what God's called you to it's what God wants you to do for him and we can all be mighty warriors like Gideon but we have to first step out in faith to do so Here in a minute I'm going to have everybody bow their head and I'll ask the piano player to come and I'll have Pastor lead the altar call. This isn't the end of Gideon. And as great as a battle plan as this was and it worked out for God, I also want you to understand if you read on, Gideon falls as a man. Gideon does fail as a man despite this victory. And I don't want Aaron not saying this tonight. Maybe you started out in the course and you said, I'm doing everything I can for the Lord. I'm letting the Lord use me and I'm going to rely on the power of his might. But then he stepped out and he failed. I encourage you, go on and read more about the life of Gideon. Because you can see that he still failed. We're all human. We all fail. But God is still there to pick up the pieces. Let's bow our heads in prayer. Dear heavenly, most gracious Father God, I do thank you once again, Lord, for the ability to open your word, Lord, tonight, Lord, and the freedom that we have to do so. I pray tonight, Lord, that you just be hearts and minds, that the message went forth as it was intended, Lord, and that you would work in people's lives tonight, Lord. We love you. We thank you. In Jesus' name.
1: I wonder, with our heads bowed and our eyes closed, maybe tonight God's spoken to your heart about something. And so often, God's trying to work in our life, but we just... We're too afraid. We're not willing to step out by faith and trust Him and be obedient to what He wants for us. We say we want to see God do things in our life. We want to see great victories, but yet we're not willing to step out in faith. We're not willing to trust Him. If we truly want God to use us, we've got to be willing to step out like Gideon. And recognize we may not be much of anything, but with God being with us, he can, he can make us into what He wants us to be. He can make us into that mighty warrior that He wants us to be. I wonder tonight, with our heads bowed and our eyes closed, we're just going to stand quietly this evening, and the piano's just going to begin to play softly. But tonight-